a familiar tune to, to many of us, and it is our desire that our lives would be a sweet, sweet sound uh, to him. And uh, it is good to be back. I was, uh, last week I was in Scottsdale officiating a wedding of a former student of mine. And, and as we, as Don and I boarded the plane to come back, I said, I can't wait to get home. And uh, I love, love my daughter and son-in-law greatly, but uh, Salinas is home and I couldn't wait to get back to see most of you. And um, <laughs> that's not true to see you and uh, it's good to be back and and um, thanks to Rob uh, filling in last week and and thank you for what what you said about being blown away sucked up and and uh, things like that washed up washed up sucked up and blown away right so I uh, that was good stuff on Lamentations and and uh, spent some time reading Lamentations and focus in on Lamentations 3 a reminder that in the midst of all that we go through in life, God is still there, and that His mercies truly are new every morning. This morning we start a new series uh, where we take a look at these three ones that we have. As you come into the sanctuary, you see on the wall one purpose, or one message, one purpose, one response. And we're going to break those down, and we do this every year, and I think it's imperative that we do this every year, because if you're like me, you have issues with remembering what we are to be about. So we are to be about in this community of Christ followers that gathers at First Baptist of Salinas. We are to be about one message, and that message being loving God and loving people. We have one purpose, which is as we go, we make disciples. And we have one response, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be revisiting those things, and not so much revisiting them in a way that we say, okay, that's, that's, that's important, I'm glad we did that, but it is to prompt us to be the people that God's called us to be. That's why it's important to be here on January 27th, as the elders and I lay out what, what, where we believe the Lord is leading us in this upcoming year. And so there's so much going on, so often we forget what we are to be about. And there, in the midst of having all these different things going on around us, so often we want to have things distilled for us in such a way that it will be memorable. Jesus Christ is arguably, not arguably, he is the greatest teacher of all time. And yes, he is far more than a teacher. He is Lord, he is Savior. But when he was interacting with people, he knew precisely what to say at precisely the right moment to help people walk away realizing, I can get behind that. And so as you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, you, we find Jesus Christ being bombarded by different people and different questions, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But we come to this place of verse 28 in Mark chapter 12. And Mark writes for us, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. 
Father, we pray now as we come into this time of looking at your word, we would ask that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our eyes so that we may see, open our ears that we may hear, open our minds that we may understand, and open our hearts so that we may be transformed by your grace in magnificent ways. Lord, may no one hear anything that I say, but may they only hear what it is that you want them to hear and need them to hear. And Lord, may you receive, Lord Jesus, may you receive all glory, honor, and praise. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. One of the teachers of the law heard them debating and seeing that Jesus had given them a great answer, he responds with this, of all the commandments, which is the most important? It's one big question. It's a big question. And as you read through Mark, and as you come to Mark chapter 12, things have taken a turn for Jesus Christ. From Mark 8 onward, all of a sudden, Jesus Christ's popularity and people wanting to be around him. Yes, people wanted to be around him more, but more and more opposition was rising. And we come to Mark 12, and apparently there was some type of community meeting where all these different leaders of all the different uh, factions or, or sects of, of Judaism and, and, and came together, and they said, we just need to bombard him with all types of questions, because eventually he's going to get tricked. And eventually, we'll be able to catch him. And so if you look back in verse 13 of chapter 12, look what this says. It says this, Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. The establishment was out to get Jesus Christ. That was their priority. That was their vision. That was their commitment. They wanted to do this. They wanted to catch him because as soon as they could catch him, then things were going to be a lot easier for them. But here's the thing. There's a life lesson to be learned here as we read through Mark chapter 12, and it's this. When you try to catch Jesus Christ in his words, you end up getting caught. When you try to catch Jesus you end up getting caught in the process. And that's exactly what happens here. This teacher comes up to him and he hears everybody else asking questions and Jesus maneuvering, not just maneuvering, but, but directing their, coming up with these answers that so confused the opposition and because it was truth that he was proclaiming. And so this individual comes up to Jesus, and, and I'm going to cut this individual some slack here. I'm going to say perhaps he really did want an answer here. And we can sort of tell by the way he responds, and he doesn't, he's not antagonistic to Jesus when we look at verse 32 and onward. But here's what he asks. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? A quick refresher for you. Oftentimes, we want to think that there are only Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. But as you go through the entire Old Testament, you come to this conclusion that there are 613 commandments. 365 of them are negative. 248 of them are positive. 613 commandments that the Pharisees and other leaders in the church knew like the back of their hand. 
They had them memorized. They were part of how they, how they lived their lives. When people had questions about any of those commandments, they knew them so well, they knew the proper interpretation of them. And so this person comes up to him and says, which one of these is the most important? And a better way to answer, better way to ask that question is this. What he's saying is, what commandment is the one on which all the others hang? Help me out here, Jesus. There's 613. I just want to know the one commandment so that when I live out that one commandment, all the others are, are, are being lived out in the process. It's so much easier that way, isn't it? It's so much easier. And that's what we desire in life. We want to know those one things. We want to know that one answer that will take care of everything. And so, this person asks that question, and Jesus responds with a beautiful answer, and he says this, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. There it is. Right there. The answer. The answer. You are to have one love, and that one love is to love God. That's it. That's it. That's what you are to do. But notice the way Jesus opens this up, and he says this, the most important one is this, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you're saying, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Well, part of the reason why he begins that is that all Jews begin their day by praying this one prayer, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It is known as the Shema. Every, every Jewish person awakens in the morning and they pray that prayer. And part of the reason why they pray that prayer is to remind them that they are after one God that they're pursuing, they're living their lives for this one God. And because they're pursuing after this one God, this one God has one message. It's a consistent message all the time. In a world that says there's all types of different ways to go and there's all types of different answers out there, the Jewish folks at that time, and, and I believe to this very day, are realizing there is one answer, and it's this God. And so Jesus begins his answer by saying, what you're about to hear is consistent with who the one God is. And so I need to inform you of what's about to happen throughout the remainder of the message. We're going to do what I like to call Bible hopscotch. What does that mean? It means we're going to be hopscotching all over the Bible throughout the remainder of this message. Now, some of you answered, when I did this message 2018 overview survey, and some of you, there were comments made, and, and it was this, one of the comments that was made was, when you go to different passages, could you slow down so we could catch up to you? I want to tell you something right now. Today, I'm not slowing down. They'll be on the screen. You can write them down. You can go and, and find them on your own time or whatever. But, but if you want to look, I, I don't, I'm not saying, please don't open your Bible this morning. But what I'm saying is, just know that you're, we're going to be going all over the place here. 
And so Jesus answers the question and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love always is an action. This idea that love is this warm, fuzzy feeling thing, true at times, but yet love is always an action. It's always an action. Jesus Christ is saying, this involves who you are. So let's break this down. He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart. The heart has to do with our desires. If you're going to go back to Psalm 25, verse 5, he says this, and listen to these words, and let's see how quickly I can find this. He says this, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. The heart that he's talking about has to do with our desires. What our desire is, is to, be, is, is to love what the Lord desires all the time. That's what he's talking about. When he's saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, he's saying every desire that you have, it needs to be in line with what God desires. I desire to eat chocolate all the time. I don't know if that's what God desires for me. We, as far as loving God, it means getting in line with his desires. And then he follows it up and says this, love the Lord your God with all your soul. So what's the soul? What's, the, what's he talking about here? The soul always has to do with our will. It's a decision. We have these desires that we want to do, but then there's a will. There's, there's are we going to do this? Or are we going to do that? And we are to love the Lord with our choices in life. I invite you, and, I, and I'm going to take the time to get there. Go to Isaiah chapter 30. Go to Isaiah chapter 30. And listen to this verse, and it is so, I, I find this verse just fantastic. Of course, a lot of the verses, well, the Bible's fantastic, so we'll just leave it at that. But listen to what this says, and, and tell me if this is not where many of us live our lives. Verse 21 of Isaiah 30, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. We've all been there. We have these desires, we want to do what the Lord desires us to do, but then our will gets in the way and all of a sudden it's like, ah, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? We come to these places in all of our lives, and I've talked with plenty of you, and, and you've had these experiences over the last number of years in your life where you're trying to make a decision to go this way or that way. And what the Lord is saying is, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Love him with the decisions, the choices that you make. Whether you turn to the left or the right, you will hear a voice behind you say, here's the way, walk in it. Is that where you are right now in life? When we talk about loving God, we talk about loving Him with all our heart and loving Him with all our soul, we want to do what He desires us to do, but we need to make those decisions that are in line with what His will is in our lives, the choices in our lives. And then He picks it up and He says this, Love the Lord your God with all, and I'm going to flip these, Love the Lord your God with all your mind. 
Wait a second. Love the Lord God with all your strength. That's what I was going to do, the flip. Strength means loving Him with your physical being, with who you are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, we're told again and again, our body is not our own. It is to be this holy vessel that He uses. Which really bothers me at times because it means that I really shouldn't eat chocolate all the time. But yet, not but, but what he's saying here is honor the body with, honor the Lord with the way you treat your body. That's not easy to do sometimes. And then perhaps the most difficult one to do is this one. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. The mind has to do obviously with our mental being. And if I were to sum up all the interactions that I've had with people in doing counseling and and serving as a pastor for 30 years, one of the things that I've noticed is this, is that people's minds can take them to places that they never thought they would go. They won't let go of things. They can remember back to events that that happened to them that were harmful and and and, and that they did to themselves. And even though the Lord's forgiven them, they won't forget about it. Our mind can do and and it holds, our mind can do phenomenal things, both in a good way and a bad way. And Paul says this to the Romans in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. And then the next phrase is crucial. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you then may be able to test and approve what God's will is for you. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. It means getting your mind in line with what God thinks of you. And how much He cares for you. And how much He's forgiven you. And has given you the strength to keep going. I don't know about you, but I struggle to do that oftentimes. My mind can go to places that, that, are, that are not very, very constructive at all. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's what he's talking about. And in essence, you could encapsulate it by saying this, love God with your entire being. There isn't one ounce of you that should not love God. So this this teacher comes up to him and says, just give me the one commandment, and, and that would be a fantastic thing. And so Jesus gives him one commandment, but here's the reality. When you ask Jesus for one thing, Jesus always responds with more than what you expect. Because he immediately does this. Before the person could even say thank you, Jesus says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus always responds with more than what you expect. And that's what he does here. We are to have one love, and that is to love God, but we are also, and, and, and also that one love means loving people. Now, for some of you in this room, you don't like that part. <laughs> Let's be very frank. Humanity is difficult at times. To quote a person, a wise person, I heard them say this, 
We're fallen people living in a fallen world every fallen day. Right? Rob, that was a good line. When we're dealing with fallen people all the fallen time in a fallen world, it's easy to get upset and it's easy to forget that we are to love people. People say, well, I can love God. That's no problem at all. It's people I can't handle. Flipping your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5, chapter 4, and listen to what John, the apostle, has to say here. It says this, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Forever who, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Hear me very clearly on this. It is impossible to love God and not love people. You can try all you want to argue with me on this. But if you are going to say that you love God and you hate people, it it, it, it completely negates loving God. Jesus was on to something here. He could have simply said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and been done with it. But he says, no, 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 no. We are to love people as well. There's an old Jewish rabbi, and one of the commentaries that I was reading quoted this Jewish rabbi, and it's going to be on the screen, and it's a great, great quote. He says this, What what you yourself hate, do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole law. The rest is commentary. Go and learn it. I love that. Loving God, loving people, that's what everything rests on. All these other 600 and, uh, at that point it would be 611 commandments out there, those are all commentary on loving God and loving people. It's essential that we understand what it means to love people. We have this new members curriculum or new members class that that we do a few times in the year. And and I want to show you one of the things that, well, not one of the things, but four of the things that are fresh from our FBC membership curriculum so that you understand what people are committing to when they say, I want to be part of this church. I want to become a member here. The first is this, is is that they will love other members of the church. We put that in there. Well, John, why do you need to put that in there? Really? We struggle loving one another at times. FBC Salinas is a wonderful family, but notice we're a family. I have yet to meet any family that does not have issues. And trust me, look around. We have issues. We love one another, but we have issues. But we are to love one another. That means going out of our way for one another. That means looking out for one another. And now we get a little bit more practical. What does that look like? The next one is this. Refuse to gossip. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful and beneficial for those who are listening. Folks, if we are to love people, it means gossip has no place at all. None. When you hear gossip, you need to be the one that says, enough, we're not doing this anymore. Shut it down. Then another thing that they agreed to is this, is that we will resolve conflict. It's part of loving one another. Conflict is going to happen. Growing up, when I would have conflict with my parents, it was a scary experience. Seeing Jack Bosick give me the glare, it was scary. Conflict resolved. But that's not how we are to do it as Christ followers. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus talks about if you have an issue with someone, you deal with that person one-to-one. Jesus Christ understands that conflict is going to happen, and he understands that as conflict happens, we have a responsibility as, as Christ followers to get that conflict resolved, to show to the world that there is a better way. And boy, wouldn't that be nice to see in the world today? Conflict being resolved instead of lines being drawn in the sand saying, I will not compromise. Resolve conflict. Christ followers can do that. And then also, it's this, this is one that I need to do some explaining. Cooperate with the leadership of the church. It doesn't mean that you just do what the elders and I say and that's all there is to it. We want to, we, when, when we are desiring to, not win, but as we desire to move the church in a way that honors Christ, there are going to be questions that you have. Please ask us. Hebrews chapter 13 talks about that. It says, it says, remember your leaders. And by the way, pray for us. Please pray for us that we'll be in line with what God wants us to do. And so when people agree to become part of this community of Christ followers, they sign up and they agree to doing these types of things. That's part of loving people. It's part of loving one another here. But Jesus is bigger than that. Jesus is talking about a love that isn't just for one another. It's for this world. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was asked this question, and he goes and he shares this story about the Good Samaritan. Samaritans were not well loved. As a matter of fact, they were hated by the Jewish people. And Jesus asked them, who did, who truly loved in this scenario? And they said, well, the Samaritan did. And he said, go and do likewise. So when he's talking about loving your neighbor, your neighbor is everybody. Your neighbor is not just the person you're sitting next to right now. It's everybody that you come in contact with. So as I was thinking about that, what does that mean? One way that we show love is through forgiveness. We forgive one another. A woman who was bitten by a rabid dog was taken into the emergency room and and the doctor looked at her and said, this is not going well at all. As a matter of fact, you're declining far more rapidly. You don't have much time left. He says, you need to put your affairs in order. So she immediately asked for a 
a piece of paper and a pen, and she began writing furiously and feverishly and, and just writing and writing and writing and writing. And after a few minutes of her writing, the doctor comes in and says, that's quite a will you're putting together right now. And she looks at him and says, a will? No, this isn't a will at all. This is all the people I'm going to bite before I get my last breath. (laughs) Forgiveness. She didn't have any. And what happens when we don't forgive, we infect other people with that. And it gets real ugly. So loving others, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves means that we are to forgive. And it also means this, that we are to want the best for the others. We are to want the best for those around us. Growing up with two great daughters, there were times when they had to be reminded that Dawn and I truly wanted the best for them, even though they didn't agree with it. But it's wanting the best for others. That's what John chapter 10, verse 10 is talking about when Jesus says, I've come to give them life and have life to the fullest. It's wanting the best. It's wanting that to happen for other people. And that it involves serving. In John chapter 13, Jesus is, is talking to the guys and it's nearing the end for him. And Jesus gets up from the table, grabs a towel, and what does he do? He washes their feet. Remember, love always involves action. It doesn't sit there and say, well, I need to be loved. Love says, yes, you already are loved because of Jesus Christ. You now live out your life and you serve others. There were four college students, four young college men at a Bible college in in the Midwest, and they, they were, it was a Saturday morning, and all of a sudden they heard a knock at the door they answer the door and they open, they open the door and there's this man who, whose eyes were glassed over and who had a wicker basket full of vegetables and, and they could tell that he, had, he, was, he, he didn't have much at all. He looked horrible, frankly. He said, would you like to buy some vegetables? And these vegetables weren't good, but these guys said, we're just going to help this guy out. Let's buy some vegetables. So they did. The man looks at him and says, thank you, and he walks on. Next Saturday, a week, a week passes, same, about the same time, the door, it, it's the same person with another basket of vegetables. And they bought him from him, said, have a great day, and he went on his way. Next Saturday shows up, and all of a sudden they realize, we need to invite this gentleman in. So they invite this gentleman into their house, And they begin talking with him. And as they talked with him, they realized that this glassy look that he has in his eyes isn't because he's doing drugs or anything. It's because he has cataracts and he can barely see. And they looked at his clothing and his clothing was all ratty and so they would help him out here and there. And then the next Saturday he showed up again. He sat down and he began singing songs to them. And they were enraptured by his voice. And so they began singing with him. And then he looks at them and it says, God is so good. And they said to him, why would you say that God is so good? And the man looked at him and said, because I found a family the other day 
who could use the clothes that you gave me and I gave them all away. A person who needed those clothes didn't see that he needed those clothes. He saw that he needed to serve. When we love one another, it means looking for opportunities to serve those around us. And ladies and gentlemen, this world is presenting us opportunities all the time to serve in the name of Jesus Christ. If we would simply get up and get out and serve, it would make an impact. I guarantee it. And loving one another also means telling the truth to one another. We live in a world that wants to have its ears tickled. But we live in a world that desperately needs to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. Needs to see the truth lived out in relationship. One of the things that I love about serving alongside this team, and we gather every Tuesday morning for staff meeting, and and it is a wonderful time for me. Because this staff tells me the truth. I'm not the most organized, and they remind me of that. They tell me the truth. And we tell one another the truth. It's my hope, it's my prayer that in FBC Salinas in this coming year that we would truly tell one another the truth and that we would live out that truth. And then one last thing is this, is that we pray for one another. We're told in Hebrews chapter, chapter 7 that, that Jesus Christ right now is sitting down interceding for us. An incredibly loving thing to do. And so, as we talk about that, we see this and we see this list and it's not exhaustive. But there's one more thing that we need to remember when it comes to loving one another and loving our neighbor as ourself. And it's so obvious that we don't even think about it. It's this. Spend time with people. I mean actual time with people. Not behind a computer screen. Sending off little posts that will upset people on Facebook or wherever. But actually sitting down with people and talking to them. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 21 to show you what I'm talking about. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. The disciples, led by Peter, said, listen, I don't know where he is. I'm going to go fishing. And so we pick it up in verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. (laughs) He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. 
Jesus will continue on. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. We see that story and we sit there and say, wow, isn't that awesome that they caught all these fish and we get wrapped up in, look how great Jesus Christ is. But there's something going on here that I want you to see. And it's this. He says, come and have breakfast. I want you to notice, Jesus already has breakfast prepared for them. He wanted to hang out with these guys and spend time with them. Yeah, they caught all these fish, but Jesus already has breakfast prepared. One of the things that we forget about Jesus Christ and the apostles is this, is that Jesus loved spending time with them. That's love. They were a bunch of broken guys, but Jesus loved being with them. Folks, in this world in which we live, It's become so easy to sit behind a computer screen. It's become so easy to fire off texts. It's become so easy to do these things and keep people at a distance. But yet, I believe this to be true, that what this world needs to see Christ followers do is spend time with one another, spend time with people, and spend time loving and caring for people. When we do that, the grace of Jesus Christ becomes all the more real so the people can see that we love God and we love people. And in the process, they catch on to the one message. And that one message is this, that Jesus Christ lived out the message of loving God and loving people. And he changed the world. I invite you to live out the one message of loving God and loving people. And when you do that, Watch what God does in the process. Father, I pray now, as we reflect on these words, I pray that you would remind us what it means to love you and to love people. Lord, there are people in our lives right now that we're struggling to forgive move in our lives in such a way that we would forgive. Lord, there are opportunities before us right now where we can serve. Holy Spirit, move in such a way that we would serve and do what needs to be done there. Lord, there are people in our lives that are simply saying, would you just simply hang out with me? Holy Spirit, move in our lives so that we We reorganize our days and simply spend time with people and listen to them and get to know them. Lord, may love not be simply a word that we say every now and then, but may it be the actions that we do that bring glory to you. May we be done with empty talk of loving you And may we be filled with talk 
a talk that is filled with your love that says not only do we love you, but we are going to share that love by loving people. Break through our barriers so that we can live out this one message of loving you and loving people so that this world can see the one message of Jesus Christ that radically changes lives. Do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And one of the things that happens during this particular time is they come up and they've asked me, because we try to keep things moving seamlessly as best we can, and they've asked me, well, why don't we just walk up while you're praying? Well, part of the reason why I don't want them to do that is because praying is praying. And so as they come up, I, I, I want you to know that, that we pray because God is with us. We pray to get in line with him. And we pray not just to fill time, but because God hears us when we pray. And so I ask you now to stand up and join us as we sing a couple more songs.